Good evening. Thanks for joining us. If you are watching this after class is done, just please be patient with us while we wait for everybody to gather. If you want to skip ahead about five minutes of the video, uh, please do that as well. Thank you again for joining us, and we look forward to, to studying with you. I see one. Hi, Linda. <clears throat> you are the first. You're the winner. Joanne is here. Hey, Joanne. Yeah, glad you both were there last night. I hope it was worthwhile. Um, certainly was fun for me to present, but hopefully, hopefully you're able to get something out of it. Linda, it looks like your computer must be working. Um, thankful for that as well. We're just going to wait like we always do, wait some couple minutes here to have other people find us. New computer, awesome. What did you did you get a laptop or a or a desktop? <laughs> yeah, Joanne, it was a lot. I'm not going to lie. The first, or especially the last couple of days in Rome, um, it was a lot. We did give people the option to, to, to skip parts of it, but nobody wanted to. Oh, Linda, you're going to love it. I've got one of those as well. Um, I absolutely love mine. And if, uh, if you need me to pop over and walk through some things with you, let me know. Who else we got out there tonight? Check in. Let us know who's here. Um, it's just 6.30 now, so we'll give it uh, three minutes or so, um, and then we'll we'll get going. Oh, so then you know then you know what you need to know, Linda, if if, um, if that's your second one. Um, I made the switch about a year ago, and, and just so happy. Hi, Pat. Yeah, thanks for coming. Uh, it was fun. It was a fun night for me, and. Um, it's it nice to share some of that information and, and just uh, hopefully give people pictures to go with their Bible study and, and, and what they know. All right, uh, well, I'll give a couple more minutes yet. Um, well, glad you, glad you were there, Linda. Um, we are going to be in Luke 19. And we'll be covering at least a couple of chapters, maybe even three. So have your Bibles ready. Uh, I see a few more people logging on here. We're going to give it give it our, our normal our normal wait time. Joel, good evening. Ron and Joan as well, good evening. Thanks for joining us tonight. You prepped three. Good, good. Hopefully we'll get that far. We'll see. 
our discussion sometimes uh, gets in depth, and, and that's okay if we don't. That's fine, too. Judy is here. Good evening, Judy. Welcome back. Uh, we are in Luke 19 tonight, picking it up there. Um, glad you're able to join us. A couple more minutes here, and then we'll get going. Pam is here. Good evening, Pam. Glad you're with us tonight. Jane, Jean, and Glenn are here. Good evening. And no, I didn't really watch or listen to the news today, so I did not catch that. Um, interesting. I'll, I'll have to look for that sto news story, though. Um, boy, over there, everything's on top of each other, so I, I could see a fire spreading pretty quickly over there. Is it under control now? Do you know? Two more minutes, and then we'll start. Marge, good evening. Hello. Welcome. So I'm playing with my display here on the computer. I've got the Bible up here, so I don't have to keep looking down to see it. But the chat window is still on the bottom, so I'm always probably going to be looking down on your screen. I want to try to get to avoid that, but I don't, I don't know how to fix that. So um, as always, let me know what the audio and video are like on your end, but um, hopefully we're finding a good groove here. All right, it is good to be back here second week now and uh, working our way through Luke. A couple more weeks of Luke, and then, as I mentioned, we'll be needing to switch back to an Old Testament book. So um, if you got your recommendations, let me know at some point over the next couple of weeks. Uh, we'll, we'll be in Luke here for, I think, two more weeks after this one. But... Um, Wow, I didn't see that, Jane. I'll have to check that out. All right, I think we are going <clears> to <throat> have our prayer, and then we'll get right into it here. All right, let's pray. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, thank you for gathering us together as your children eager to study your word. We ask your blessing on our discussions. Fill us with insight. Uh, fill us with faith and hope and love. Bless our time here, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so uh, Luke 19, and we get, um, for me anyway, one of my favorite little uh, encounters with Jesus in the New Testament. Um, it's, and I think Luke is the only one to record it too. I don't think we see it in some of the other Gospels. Um, but it's Zacchaeus. You learned the song when you were little. I'm sure Zacchaeus was a wee little man. A wee little man was he. This takes place in Jericho, and he sees Zacchaeus. Why does Zacchaeus, or first of all, what does Zacchaeus want, and why does he want it? That first question there. What does Zacchaeus want, and why does he want it? We only got 10 verses on Zacchaeus, so you're perhaps um, filling in some blanks or making some assumptions here, but I think. Um, I think there's definitely a clear re a clear reason why Zacchaeus wants what he does. What do you think? I'll give you a minute or two to to post some responses, and then we'll then we'll discuss. Phil is here, right on time. I was wondering if if you were going to see a Phil. Thanks for posting the question here. Um, good to have you back. So Judy says he wanted to see what Jesus was all about. He definitely wants to see Jesus, 
Joanne says wants to see him for himself, right? He's likely heard about this guy, um, wants to see. Um, clearly wants to see Jesus. Verse 3, he even says so, right? He wanted to see who Jesus was. Um, okay, so Jane's hitting at the why there. Um, to change his life. So, Jane, your answer uh, suggests um, that there's change that he's looking for. What, what do you think Zacchaeus is wrestling with? Uh, what do you think Zacchaeus is thinking about here as he uh, tries to see Jesus? And Linda's got the, some details there, um, which makes the story unique, right? The, a short guy climbs the tree. Uh, it, it's certainly a memorable Bible, Bible account. Um, I don't like using that word story, Bible account. Um, but Jane's answer, I think, I, I want to expand on that a little bit. What exactly is Zacchaeus looking for? Um, and I think you have to infer based on how the con conversation goes. Um, there, I think there is a gap between verse 6 and 8. Um, there is intervening time in there that we aren't privy to. Um, Phil, is, I, Phil th I think, is onto something. He says, maybe a guilty conscience. I, I think so. I think Zacchaeus is wrestling with, as Jane suggests there, maybe his sins of cheating. Um, jo Joanne's got it as well. I, I think so. I think Zacchaeus knows um, he's not doing what he should be doing. I think he's wrestling with it, and I think he is hoping that Jesus can help him with that. Um, so verse 6, he gets down. He goes with Jesus. The people see this. They, they start muttering about it. And then in verse 8, uh, it fast forwards a little bit to the, to the conversation that J Zacchaeus is having with Jesus. We don't hear the whole conversation. We don't hear whatever Jesus said to him to make Zacchaeus respond the way that he does. But if you look at verse 8, if you look at verse 8, um, question 2 says, what did Zacchaeus gifts to the poor and those he had cheated? What did that show and, and why did it show it? Again, we're assuming a few things about the conversation that took, pl took place between those two verses. Um, yeah, Linda, he, he, was, he wasn't honest, right? And I think he's bothered by that. Uh, and the Myers say, too, maybe he's wondering, uh, can he be saved? Maybe that's on his mind. A question he wants Jesus to to answer. Um, so I think Linda's right here. I think these actions show repentance, um, absolutely. But why is he doing it? Um, you're right on. I think it's showing repentance in his heart. Um, and why? Like why? Why is he doing all this stuff? Pam says, shows his sincerity. Uh, Judy says, shows his repentance, was making it right under the law. Um, so you're all you're all correct. And I think Joel um, and now Linda both kind of see where I'm going with this one. Um, what did Jesus say to him, right? What, what did he hear from Jesus in that conversation? Uh, Linda talks about the joy he Clearly, he heard about forgiveness and salvation, um, and that joy now is coming out in his his action, his change of heart. Uh, the Holy Spirit is there, Jane said. So I, th I think you're all on top of it here. He's responding 
to Jesus' love and forgiveness, and he wants to change his life now because of what Jesus has done for him. Um, and again, I think it's neat the way that a lot of these accounts are presented in the Bible. Um, I would love to have heard what Jesus said to Zacchaeus. We don't get to hear that part. We just get to see the reaction. And it's, it's, it's neat, I think, to sit and ponder, what did Jesus say? How did that conversation go, right? To be a fly in the wall in that room, I think would have been awesome. Um, but Jesus pronounces the verdict here, verse 9. Um, Today's salvation has come to this house. This man, too, is a son of Abraham. That tells He's telling everybody Zacchaeus is a believer. And Jesus says, that's why I'm here, right? I came to seek and save the lost. So awesome, awesome account here. Um, if you got any other thoughts on Zacchaeus, feel free to post them. We're moving forward uh, to the parable of the ten minas, uh, that Jesus, a parable Jesus tells. Um, and question three says, Jesus told a parable because the people thought the kingdom of God would appear at once. What point is he making in telling them this parable here, the parable of the ten minas? Phil, thank you for the post. Get the question out there. Um yeah, Jane, I would guess he was definitely surprised. And I think the fact that Jesus stopped and looked right at him, it, I mean, Jesus knows what's on his heart. Um, Jesus knows who's lost and he knows how to reach them. That should give us confidence too, right? Jesus knows what's on our hearts. Uh, he knows the people in our life that need the gospel. He's going to lead us to reach out to them too. All right, so we get the parable of the ten minas. Um, what point here is Jesus making in the parable? What would you say is the overall point? And again, um, note the context, verse 11, right? He's addressing people who thought God's kingdom was going to appear right away. Right, so that's the immediate context. That's who he's talking to. So I think Judy um, hit the nail on the head there. It's it, it's coming, um, but in the meantime, you need to get to work. Right, um, get to work serving the kingdom. Use your talents. Use your abilities. Um, the kingdom is coming. Um, but there's going to be some work to do. Joanne says patience. Yeah, I mean, this stuff isn't going to, all going to happen immediately. Um, be patient. Let Jesus do his thing, right? Let the kingdom work and come in its own time and in its own way. Own way. Um, Phil, too, says we need to get to work until Jesus comes back. We need to be ready, not sitting and waiting, not waiting in fear. I uh, just taught a, a Bible information class tonight, and, and the lesson was um, the end of the world. and. Um, Jesus makes that point. We don't have to, we don't have to be afraid. Um, just get to work, serve, and know that when he comes, he comes, and we're, we'll be ready to go. Um, all right, so looking at number four, who's the king in the parable? Who's the king in the parable? Uh, and then who are the servants and what are the minas? I guess we can, we can take all that at once. If you want to answer one or two or all of it, question four, uh, Phil's got it there.
All right, so I see some answers there on the king. Yeah, uh, the Lord Christ, uh, Jesus, he is the king. Who are the servants and what are the minas? Who are the servants and what are the minas? Got that one too. So Linda says the minas are our talents are certainly part of that. I think um, I, I think it's it includes our talents, but I think it, it's it's our time. I think it's the material blessings we have. I think it's the word that God gives us. Right, all these things that He wants us to use. Um, and you are all right. We the Christians, God's people, are the servants. Um, and the minas include talents, time, offerings, um, using God's word, sharing God's word, um, putting all these things to work for him and for his kingdom. And Linda says, use them or they're going to be given to somebody else, right? Uh, yeah, don't sit around, right? Don't sit on your hands. Um, use the talents that God has given you. Uh, use them in his kingdom. Good. You guys are all on it there. Um, any other thoughts on the parable? Otherwise. Moving on. So again, main point there is don't sit around waiting. Um, God has given us plenty of work to do. Um, and he will take care of when all those things happen. All right. Onward to Jerusalem. Jesus comes to Jerusalem as king. Um, the Gospels uh, most or all of them cover this, and some give different details. Um, here in Luke, um, well, uh, I'll mention that in a second. So, so question here, why did this, the Pharisees object to the crowd's welcome on Palm Sunday? So Jesus sends them, they get the colt, why are you untying the colt? They bring their cloaks. Um, the verse 37 tells you the crowd of disciples. So the, the believers, the followers there are shouting out. And notice especially what they're shouting in verse 38. They're calling Jesus the king who comes in the name of the Lord. So that should give you a hint for number five. Um, and, and Jane, that is actually, that's a good guess, but that is not... Um, I don't think that is the, the reason they're upset. Look at what they're saying in verse 38. And I think that steers you to the reason why um, they're upset. Yep, Marge and Ron and Joan have it there, right? They're, they're calling Jesus the king. Um, they're, they're honoring him. They don't believe he's the Messiah, right? As Phil says, that's blasphemy, Um Judy says they don't want him to have the attention. Uh, connecting Jesus to the Father, is, that's what that verse is doing, right? They're saying Jesus is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. He comes from the Father. Um, and they're saying, no, 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 that, that's blasphemy. This is not, that's not who Jesus is. So they're upset. And Jesus says, rebuke them. Um, and then... Um, so then as he, as he approaches the city, verse 41, 
uh, you see the heart of your Savior, Jesus. Um, what's his reaction as Jerusalem? So by the way, I've been on that hill. Um, and when Jerusalem comes into view, it's an awesome thing. Um, and maybe in a couple of years, some of you can be there with me and, and see that. But um, as, as he approaches Jerusalem, how does he react and why? How does he react and why? And I think the why we want to stretch out here. Um, so he sobs, right? As Ron and Jones say, he weeps. Um, it is because of their unbelief, right? Because they reject him. Um, and what what's going to happen? Um, so he's sad, as you're saying. Um, yeah, Jane, right? So they're rejecting him. That grieves him, right, because there's unbelief there. And in the end, that's going to mean, as Jane and Judy are typing, he knows it's going to happen. He knows they're going to be destroyed and wiped out. He knows there's going to be pain and loss. And and maybe this is the, the point. He knows it could have been avoided. He knows it didn't have to go that way. He knows if they simply had believed, none of that would have had to happen. Um so they know they're going to reject him, which in turn mean, means that God is going to, going to reject them. God is going to send uh, chastening to them. And he knows if they simply would have just believed, it would have been avoided. All right. Uh, um, do you like seeing Jesus like that in 41 to 44? Do you like seeing Jesus that way? What is that? Uh, I would say that's probably not our favorite picture of Jesus weeping over Jerusalem. But what does that do for you to see your Savior um, react this kind of a way? What does that do for you? Any quick thoughts on that? Any quick thoughts on that? We will be moving here to chapter 20 in a moment. Just wanted to, to ask that. We don't always see Jesus this way, right? So when it when it shows up, it's maybe worth noticing. Um, Judy says that it shows us he's human, that he's loving. Uh, the Myers say it shows he's truly caring for people. Um, yeah, and Linda, maybe there's a rebuke in there too, right? Uh, are we ever in need of that? That rebuke, um, hopefully not, but but our sinful nature is always there. Um, I think for me, it just shows his desire. Like the Bible passage that comes to mind for me is um, God wants all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth, right? God, his unending desire is for us to be saved. There's urgency. Um, he wants nothing more than for people uh to be saved, right? Like Zacchaeus. And um, even if we don't always want it, Jesus does. All right, good thoughts there. Uh, Phil says, shows his his deep love. Yeah, for, for everybody, all man. I like how you emphasize that they're all mankind. Um, yeah, I mean, it is a sad thing, isn't it, Pam? Um I, I would love for it to have gone the other way, right? It, but it does show uh, his heart, his concern. 
Jane says, weren't there believers there? Um, there certainly were some. I think if you look at his ministry, though, um, it sure seems a lot of the believers he found were not necessarily in Jerusalem. It was a lot of his ministry was in other parts of the country. Um, even a lot of the people he's running into um, are the, even outside of the nation of Israel, you think of the Canaanite woman. Um, so many examples of people coming to faith, but not necessarily in Jerusalem. Yes, there are believers there, but by and large, um, that isn't where Jesus had uh, the most success in his ministry. All right, let's jump into chapter 20 here. Keep on, keep on going. Joan Marlene, no need to apologize. Glad you're here. Um, in this class, uh, better late than never. Always, always glad to see you. Uh, yeah, Linda, another good example, a woman at the well. All right, so jumping into 20. So they're questioning Jesus. Uh, is so he gets into he gets into Jerusalem for the last week, and he's he doesn't hide himself, right? He's out there teaching it, and uh, he's out in public so he can be seen. Um, so chapter twenty, yeah, that's the thing, Judy. There's always so much to do, <clears throat> and there's always a soul out there that needs to be saved, and that ought to give all of us urgency as the end. Uh, gets closer, right? There's always somebody to reach out to. All right, so Phil's got the question number one posted for you there. The parable of the tenants, chapter 20, verse 9 and following. Um, so we've got the characters there in the parable. Hopefully those are easy to understand. Um, the people said, as he goes through this parable, May this never be. Or verse 16, God forbid, right? They don't want to see this happen. Why did Jesus respond as he did? So you look at verse 17 and 18. Jesus quotes from the Old Testament, talks about the, the cornerstone, uh, and on everyone on whom it falls will be broken to pieces. Why did Jesus respond that way? This is not a great question, by the way. As I'm looking at how I wrote this question, I apologize. It, it's not, not a, a, a good question. Should have written that differently. Um, so the guy, who, the owner of the vineyard is God, right? He sends the prophets. Um, the people of Israel are the tenants. They, they, they beat and ridicule and reject the prophets. And then, of course, he sends the son, Jesus, whom they kill. Um, so why does Jesus respond the way that he did? Anybody have a thought there? Uh, varying size, Phil, um, varying size, certainly not as big as Jerusalem. Um, the two you mentioned there are, are close to Jerusalem. Um, Beth Fiji is maybe even like a suburb, you might say, um, not as big for sure. And yeah, a lot of time he, so especially in early in his ministry, Capernaum and some of those towns, they are, they're out there. Um, they're well away from the the mainstream. 
from the, the big city of Jerusalem. So my thought here for number one, um, Jesus' point is that um, this doesn't have to happen. Okay, he's, he's predicting what's going to happen. And as Judy says, he is pointing out, um, he's calling out the, the Jewish leaders and he's saying, hey, I'm the son here. Um, he's saying this, this doesn't have to happen the way that I just said that it's going to. Um, so he's preaching the law in 18, uh, the first part of 18. Um, but it doesn't have to be this way, right? This is a warning. Um, Joel, Joel says he's trying to get them to see their lack of faith in him. Um, yeah, and certainly he knows what's coming, right? And at this point, Joel, it's he's not holding back now, right? Um, he says a lot of things during this last week that he might not have said early in his ministry because he wants he wants the end to come now. He's ready. The time is there. Um, so in some ways, the guardrails are off a little bit, right? And he's being more bold in what he says. Ultimately here, he, he, this is a warning for the leaders, for everybody. It doesn't have to go this way. Um, I'm not dead yet, right? I, it's There's still time for you uh, to, to believe in me. Interesting, Linda. Um, I, it's a, a very interesting thought. I, I guess I haven't had that thought. Uh, I like that, though, because he does really summarize the Old Testament here, right, and bring it into this, this uh, parable. I, I like that. Um, what are the number two? What do the, the religious leaders teach us about honesty in ministry? Verse nineteen. So the teachers of the law, they know exactly what he's saying. Um, so what does this teach us about honesty in ministry? I'd forgotten I wrote that question, and that just hit me. Um, yeah, good, good, good thing to ponder for just a minute here. Um, what do the religious leaders teach us about honesty in ministry? Any thoughts on that? Maybe not an obvious question. So their reaction here is to look for a way to arrest him right away. They know he's talking about them. They get the point. Um, so Joe says it's not always there. Yeah, I mean, if they were honest, right, they would just come out and say what they think. Um, they would tell the people what they think. Um, but they, they're, not, they're not looking to honestly say where they are, right? Instead, they're trying to arrest him and, and get, get rid of him. So Joe says the honesty isn't always there, right? If, if there's faith... Then we have openness and honesty. Um, there's unbelief here. So they're not declaring their position. They're not discussing these things. They're not letting their people know um, what they think about all of this. Linda says, go back to the Ten Commandments. Yeah, they sure were not. Uh, you're right. They do wear They wear, do wear them, right, in, in their, their clothing at times, um, right? They sometimes written here or in, in the, the pockets. Um, yeah, they were not carrying them out. 
All right, just, just a quick thought there. Um, so then we get to paying taxes to Caesar. And I, <laughs> I think verse 20 is just, it's kind of funny. Um, they sent spies who pretended to be sincere. Um, I think by now, Jesus probably knows they're not sincere, right? And and on top of that, of course, he's the true son of God. So to, to try to imagine that they can trick, I, it's just funny. I, I got a kick out of that as I read that. Um, hoped to catch Jesus in something they said. Um, he, of course, turns the tables on them. So Phil's got the question posted there, number three. Um, they think they have him trapped. Um what does Jesus tell them here? What does he teach them by his answer? Uh, just catching up here, Judy, previously it said you can't just preach what the people want to hear or be afraid of people's reaction to the word. Right? And I think they were afraid, Judy, that the people were on Jesus' side. Right? I think um, this is about them losing their standing, their power, their authority. They're afraid the people are on Jesus' side. They're afraid the people are believers in a, in a nutshell, Right? Um, and leaders cannot, uh, can't operate that way. And Ron and Joan talk about uh, being truthful and not, not engaging in cover-ups to save their hides. Yes, and unfortunately that did not end with uh, the Pharisees, right? That's human nature, and we see that play out in the church at times too. Um Phil, that is funny, right? They had to act <laughs> to be sincere. Yeah, I didn't uh, um, catch that that side of it there. I, just, I thought it was funny they were trying to trick Jesus. Yeah, if, if they have to act to be sincere, oh boy, we got a problem, right? Um, so what point is he talking about here? Jane says, question mark, separation of church and state. Um, I think... To a degree, um, I think what Jesus is saying here, um, first of all, he masterfully defeats this so that they cannot accuse him of being anti-God or anti-government, right? He he sits in the middle on that one. But I think what he's telling them is, hey, I, I don't want to be involved in your spat between the Romans and the Jews, right? That's not what I'm about. I'm not here to settle your disagreement, right, between Roman and, and, and Jewish nation. That That's not my job. Um, he's dealing with spiritual issues and spiritual enemies. He's not here to take a political side, right? That's not the issue. Um, he does make a distinction between the, uh, between spiritual and, and, and earthly, right? He does make a distinction between Caesar and God and, and he, and he doesn't deny that we owe things to both. Um, but he wasn't about to fall into their trap. And Judy says he's fighting spiritual enemies. Yep, he's not. And, and by the way, here's a perfect opportunity. If Jesus was the kind of Messiah they wanted him to be, this is his perfect opportunity to, to take a side and to be the earthly Messiah that these Jewish leaders are looking for. But he doesn't do that. He doesn't take the bait. He doesn't take the temptation. He avoids that whole thing. All right? 
at the risk of moving too quickly, we're going on. Uh, next section here, the resurrection and marriage. Um, oh, nope, sorry. I missed a No, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the next question. All right, so the Sadducees uh, were deluded by two errors. Um, what were the two errors? And again, here, <laughs> this is funny too. So look at 27. The Sadducees, who say there's no resurrection, ask Jesus a question about the resurrection. Why? Right? Come on. The, how how did they not think he would see right through that? Um, this shows you the silliness here of, of unbelief. But what two, uh, two errors did they have as you look at um, the rest of this chapter? What two errors do we see here from the Sadducees? So we got two errors. Can you find them? And and I should say maybe it's more than two. But can you find the two I was thinking about? <laughs> there might be more than two. What are the two errors? So a couple of you have mentioned the first one, right? They don't know the power of God in the resurrection, right? They don't believe in the resurrection. They don't know or trust or believe that God has the power um, for there to be a resurrection. So, so that's the first one, the resurrection. Then the second one, and Jesus kind of points out here, um, they don't know the scriptures, right? They don't know what the Bible said. Um, verse 41 to 47 um Jesus said to them, Well, why why did it why is it said that Messiah is the son of David? Right? And he goes on and he quotes the Psalms. That they clearly don't know, um, they don't know God's word, right? And they misinterpret it and they misuse it and they don't understand it. So they, they don't believe in the resurrection, they don't trust God's power in that in that resurrection, and they don't they don't know the Bible, they don't know the scriptures, and that's getting them into trouble. Um and, and yeah, some of you are commenting about marriage in heaven. Um, yeah, that those earthly roles won't be needed in heaven, right? Um, we have moms and dads and spouses and grandparents to take care of us on earth. Um, we won't need those relationships. Uh, and under, understand that correctly. We're going to know each other, love each other, care for each other in heaven but we just we won't have need for those types of arrangements because in heaven, um, Christ and, and our Father, they're, they're going to give us everything we need. Um, so we, we won't necessarily have those same earthly relationships up there. But again, we're going to love each other and know each other and, and be there together, and there won't be in any way sadness at that. All right, anything else on chapter 20? Otherwise, we want to jump into 21. I've got a, a meeting tonight, so I'm going to have to end uh, right on time tonight. All right. Good thoughts there from, from Pam and from Phil. Um, yeah, clearly all going to be focused on Jesus, Pam, right? We aren't going to need have those same needs that we do now necessarily. 
that's probably not even the right way to say that. Um, all of our needs will be met fully and perfectly in Jesus in heaven. All right, Luke 21. So we got the widow's offering, first four verses. Uh, what was it about that offering that caught Jesus' attention? Was it really the amount or was it something else? Phil's got the question posted there. What do you think? What do you think? So Judy says it was all she had. And that certainly, um, that certainly makes a point, right? Um, she gave it all, as the Myers say. But then Phil and Linda also are pointing out here, it's it's the love that moves the gift, right? It's the motive in the heart. It's faith in the heart. Um, to give all, the faith and the trust are, are moving that, right? So it's, um, yes, he notices the amount, but the he uses that to make the point here, to highlight the faith and the trust. And as Joel says, <laughs> she must have trusted a lot, right? You and I aren't commanded to do that. Um, but I would suggest, I think we'd all really struggle to do that. Um, yeah, so it's, it's trust, it's faith. It, Pam says it's willingly, right? He what? nobody told her she had to do that. Um, so it's a hundred percent trust, right? And I don't know that I would, are there times when you would say in your life that you've had a hundred percent trust in God? to take care of you. I don't know. Maybe it, there are moments when we it's 100%, but man, um, often it's nowhere close to that, right? So just an awesome example here. But again, love, trust, move the gift. Um, Ryan and Joan say never. Um, yeah, it, we're not perfect, right? Um, I agree, Linda. I agree. Um, all right, uh, next section here. So he talks about signs of the end. Jesus does a lot of teaching the last week of his life. We think about Good Friday. We think about Sunday. But he was really active on Monday through Thursday, doing a whole lot of teaching. And Phil's got the next question posted for you, looking at verses 12 to 19. <clears throat> So what does he warn us about and what comfort does he give us? <clears throat> Good to see everybody tonight. Good to be back. <clears throat> Verses 12 to 19. <clears throat> Jesus, he's talking about the end to come and he gives them a specific warning here. Um, and But then there's some comfort along the way. So what's he warning about? And what encouragement does he give us uh, to help us keep going? Because I got to tell you, it doesn't sound, it doesn't sound awesome. Uh, so he talks about persecution and Jane says even death, right? Um, talks about put in prison. Um, he talks about um, betrayal 
and some of you put to death. Uh, our presentation last night on the tour, we, we showed the Colosseum. We talked about how 3,000 Christians-ish uh, lost their lives in that arena. Um, my Bible information class tonight, we talked about how more people have died for the faith since the year 2000 than in any um, era before. Um, so it happens. And then what's the comfort? What's the comfort and encouragement? Linda points us at verse 15. Yeah, I'll give you words and wisdom that none of your adversaries will be able to resist or contradict. Wow, what a promise. What a promise that is. Um, I need to circle that one and highlight that one. Um, that That's an amazing promise. So Ron and Jones say, don't worry about you what, what you say, right? Um, because there he gives us the words. Um, verse 18, um, not a hair of your head will perish. Now let's just skip the bald jokes for, for the evening. Um, not a hair of your head will perish. That That's God telling you he's going to protect you, take care of you. Um, nothing's going to happen to you that he doesn't want, right? You're in his hands. He's going to take care of you. Um, and Ron and John say, be faithful. You receive the crown of life, right? Verse 20. Uh, we know the finish line. We know we know the end. We know the prize. We know how this ends. So just endure it um, and know what's coming, right? And um, he gives us the words. He'll protect us. Eternal life is waiting. And guess what? We're going to have an opportunity to witness uh, before the unbelievers. Again, thinking about Paul's journeys and, that again, that presentation last night, I think um, he had so many times to do that, right? So many times to witness before the unbelievers, be they rulers or not. How cool is that, right? To know you're going to have that opportunity. And then that when you're there, God's going to give you those words and he's going to protect you. Um, awesome stuff. All right, then the next paragraph is more pointedly for his, his, his immediate audience. Um, he talks about Jerusalem and what's going to happen to it. And I just dropped my worksheet, but I'm banking on Phil posting the question here in a second. Um, he talks about what's going to happen to Jerusalem. Um, and what does Jesus say? There it is. Thank you, Phil. Um, so in general, what's going to happen to the people and why would these things happen? In general... What's going to happen and why would these things happen? Uh, really sad to think about. And I, I imagine that he, he did not want to think about it either, I'm sure. What do you think? So Joel's right, right? I mean, this fulfills what has been said. Um, Phil talks about putting to the sword, scattering in fear. Um, Jane, I so just a little bit of typo there. So are you saying why dreadful for pregnant and nursing women? Um, you think of all the times you could ever be a mom, 
you would not want it to be when your city is under siege and when they're suffering with no food and people are turning on each other. Um, and when enemies in that day and age completely obliterate everybody in their path, that'd be a terrible time to be a mom, right? A terrible time um, to have just given birth. And so he's using that as an illustration for how bad it's going to be. Um, just not good, not good at all. All right, so that um, that's the what. How about the why? Um, why is this all going to happen? Um, and as Joel says, it fulfills the prophecy right there where the Old Testament was full of warnings, full of warnings. Um, so this should not have been a surprise to anybody. Jesus brought forgiveness. They rejected him. And that's really the why, right? They rejected the Savior that God sent to them. Uh, Joan, Ron and Joan say it's hard to run when you're pregnant. Yeah, I mean, how are you going to get away, right? Um, and it was going to be every man for themselves, and they're going to be easy targets. So is that maybe enough on that question? Um, so it's the unbelief again, right? It's the rejection that causes this to happen. All right, uh, two more here, two more to go. Number four, uh, how does Jesus describe the end of the world? So, so this is a little tricky. In this chapter, Jesus is combining events, right? He's talking about the destruction of Jerusalem, and he's also talking about the end of the world. Those two things do, do not happen at the same time, but he talks about them in the same teaching here. And so I think over time, some have maybe confuse those two things a little bit. Um, so what does he say about the end? Joel says nations will be in anguish. That's definitely one part of it. What else do we see? Nations will be in anguish. What else? Uh, sudden. Sudden, yeah. Um and fearful, I think, a fearful time, too, especially for unbelievers, fearful and, and full of anxiety. Um, heavenly bodies will be shaken. So that's kind of a ter terrifying thing, right? There's going to be some amazing and terrifying things to see. Linda says, yeah, these that's, that's true. All these things, excuse me, all these things are happening now, too. Um, so we ought to be ready for this, right? Um, it's coming. We've been in these end times for a while. And then maybe the last question, why does Jesus tell us about these things? Actually, that's going to be the second last question. I got another one for you. Um, why does Jesus tell us this? Why does Jesus tell us this? Yeah, Jane, you're you're right. Um, for many, that will be a terrifying thing. Why does Jesus say it? Okay, a couple answers there. Um, so Joel says, so we cannot lose faith. 
Yeah, Jesus doesn't want us to be pulled away uh, by temptation here or false teaching. Um, Ron and Joan says or say that he wants to warn us uh, to keep us in prayer. Linda says to prepare us. Um, yeah, Jane, so we see it coming, so we're ready. Um, watchful and pray, be alert, all good thoughts here, be prepared always. Um, not let ourselves be carried away by temptation, by wickedness of the world, um, to be alert. It's hard to be alert. Um, I recently drove home and it is a couple hour drive, right? And if it's hard to stay alert, right? It's easy to, it's easy if you're driving even just to kind of um, get a little sleepy, right? Life is like that. It's it's really hard to be alert. Um, Joe says, so we're not as afraid. Yeah, I think Jesus wants us to know it's coming. So we aren't panicked like the rest of the world, right? So we aren't fearful um, so that we are ready to go and not, and not fearful. Judy says, don't panic, stand strong in the faith. Um, so the other question, I guess I want to just throw at you quick, and then I'm going to have to end it here so I can get to my meeting. Um, in our Bible information class tonight with a couple of prospective members, asked the question, if you knew the end of the world was coming next week, what would you do? If you knew Judgment Day was next week, what would you do? Have you ever thought about that? Any quick thoughts? If you knew the end was coming next week, what would you do? Any thoughts? Give you a minute and then we'll, we'll wrap it up. So Jane said it might still be scary. Well, for the un or for the believer, Jesus says, don't be afraid. All right? He told the disciples not to be troubled. Phil says, who can I share the news with to be with me in heaven? I think hopefully that's one of our, our thoughts, right? Um, Ron and Joe say, Ron and Joan say, plead with my family to stay strong in their faith. <laughs> Linda says, kneel on my painful knees. Yeah, I think we'd pray, right? I think we'd have some urgency to share the gospel. Joel says he'd get back into the word, more boldly share the word. All right, so here's the thing. Um, it could be next week. It could be tomorrow. Um, so why aren't we doing those things now? Right? Um, and that's, I think, the point Jesus is making here. When we say to be alert and prepared, he wants us to be doing these things because it could be next week. Um, we have a tendency to kind of lull ourselves into this sense of, well, it's going to be a long time yet. Um, all those things you just said, Jesus wants us to do anyway, even if we don't know for sure that it's going to be next week. Um, and you're right, Phil, we do. And my, I'll throw myself in that. Um, we talk a good game, we think about it, we we don't always do it, right? So just just an encouragement after we read this chapter for you and I to have an end times mindset, right? That it could be any day now. My conversation with this person might be the last time I get to talk to them before the end. We don't know that, right? So so have that on your mind as you go into the rest of your week here. Um, thanks for hanging out with us tonight. Thanks for your discussion.
It is a couple minutes early, but um, I, I was hoping that was the case tonight because I'm going to have to to scoot here. So thanks, guys and girls. Thanks, everybody. I should say thanks, everybody. Um, next week, Luke, 22 to I think 23. I don't have it in front of me. Um, two or three chapters for next week. Uh, get thinking about what Old Testament book you want to tackle after we're done. Um, I sure will try, Joanne. Thanks for, for all the comments tonight, everybody. God bless you. Have a good week. And we will see you next Tuesday, same time, same place. 22 to 24. Thank you, Jane. So three chapters for next week. All right, everybody. Have a good night. Going to sign off. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Thanks for coming. All right. Night, everybody.